What's going on, everybody? Samantha Gonham here. And I had a message that I wanted to share with each and every one of you that I titled, Your Comfort Will Keep You Captive. So how this message kind of came about to me was through some lessons that I learned throughout my entire journey from living in a very small town in Illinois, moving to luxury high-rise living in Miami, not finding fulfillment in that because I was chasing some comfort that I did not realize at the time was actually fulfillment that I was missing. Finding that out and then going ahead and moving out here to Denver, Colorado to chase that piece to chase the calling that I feel like God has really put on my life. And so I wanted to talk just a little bit about that because I know oftentimes we hear messages in different places about, oh, find your calling, find your calling, find your calling. So I don't want to necessarily talk about that. I want to talk about what happens when you find your calling and it is not what you wanted and it is not what you expected. Because I think oftentimes this is what happens for most of us. I know that when I really found what my calling from God was, it was not what I wanted. It was not what I was comfortable with whatsoever. But I take a lot of peace and encouragement from reading through the Bible and seeing that every single person who God used throughout the Bible had the same feelings. They had the same feeling of, I'm fearful of this. Am I even worthy to do this? God, I don't have the skill set to be able to do this. I'm not prepared. Why would you choose me? And so these are all things that I really want to talk about because as more people are going out and finding what that calling from God is, I think it's so important to realize that all of these questions are valid. All of these feelings are real. These are things that people feel going throughout their journey with God and going for that calling. What I have found uh, every time I feel a calling from God, I have not yet once found it to be comfortable. I've often been very fearful of it because it's something that is really outside of that level of, com level of comfort that I like to have in my life. But the reason that I wanted to title this message, Your Comfort Keeps You Captive, is because I truly think comfort is one of the best tools the enemy does have against us. And I'm going to kind of explain why. Oftentimes, and I've heard a lot of this through different sermons that I've listened to and have really helped me grow to kind of form the ideas that I have about this, but I think that comfort is one of the best tools the enemy has against us because there's a point in every person who is following God's life where it becomes a lot more difficult to completely steal our faith, right? We're not going to stop believing in God most of the time. We are going to try to live that life that is portrayed to us in the Bible. I've always loved the acronym for the Bible, which is basic instruction before leaving earth. I've always really liked that because that really is what the Bible has been so much for me. So I think once the enemy can't take away our belief, our faith in God, I think the next best thing for him to do is allow us to be comfortable. Because when he allows us to be comfortable, 
if you're anything like me, that means I want to sit in my bed and watch Netflix or just kind of go and do my own thing, right? Be able to just go on hikes by myself or with, with my husband rather, um, drinking coffee, just not doing a whole lot, reading a book, right? Those are the kind of things that keep me very comfortable. But the thing is, as I continue to read throughout the Bible, going through different seasons of my life, I've realized that comfort is a very dangerous thing for us all. When we are truly called to go out and make disciples of people, to bring people to God. And so when we're comfortable, we're not going to do that because going and talking to someone that you see in a Starbucks, that's a stranger, that you it looks like they're having a bad day is not a comfortable way to live your life, right? God never promised us that following his plan for our life was going to be comfortable, right? That is actually kind of the opposite of what the Bible portrays to us is that it's not that it's necessarily going to be comfortable. It's not that you are not going to struggle at any point in your life, but it's you're always going to have God right there next to you as you're going through things that are happening. But I think so often this loss of comfort causes such fear for us as believers that we don't necessarily go out of our way to fulfill the calling that God has placed on our life. I know for me, I ran from that calling for a very long time. I knew kind of what I thought God was calling me to do when I was about 12, 13 years old, and I ran. I was terrified because I knew he was calling me to go and speak to people and go and be able to make a true impact in bringing people to the kingdom of God, and that absolutely terrified me. I was so scared. I was a painfully shy child. I did not like to speak in group settings. I did not like to speak to people one-on-one. -on -one. I was more than happy to go hide in my room, curl up with a good book and a cup of coffee and stay there and not go out into the world. I'm going to get to why I think that people are called to what they're not comfortable in a little later on here, but I just want to really validate for each and every one of you that fear of your calling is completely normal. It's completely normal. It's seen throughout the Bible. Moses objected to the idea of going to Pharaoh to tell him to let his people go to a point where Aaron was appointed to kind of be his mouthpiece and speak for him. It's not that we don't have the fear. It's that we choose to have faith and to do it anyway. That is what I am starting this series of messages for. I have a lot of things that I feel God has placed on my heart just through experiences and through what I think people really need to be reminded of, what they really need to hear that I'm going to be posting these for each and every one of you. But I want to also kind of touch on another question that I know I asked myself, multiple characters in the Bible that I'm gonna show you here in just a second asked as well. And it's the idea of, am I even worthy for God to use me? Why would he want to use me? This is something I struggled with, 
as a girl from a very small town in the middle of rural Illinois, I had no idea why God would want to use me to speak his message to people. I didn't feel like I was anything special. I was definitely not prepared. I had this fear that I talked about. But something that I actually realized as time went on is the idea that God does not call people who are already prepared. He prepares the people that he has chosen to call. So I'm going to say that one more time for each and every one of you, because this is something that really helped to set me free from my fear, is that God does not call the prepared. He prepares the people he chooses to call. And I want to show you guys some examples of this so that you're not just kind of taking my word for it, because there is a lot of different examples of this happening throughout the Bible, right? So I'm going to come all the way back here and we're going to start with Moses. I'm going to go through three different uh, characters slash the last one's kind of a group of characters, but I want to just kind of sit here and show you guys how this plays out so many times. So let's start with Moses. We're in Exodus chapter three right here. And I'm going to start in verse one. One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. So Moses was a shepherd. Not really anything special, right? He wasn't called because of something that he possessed, right? He was called because God wanted to use him. Moses was also a murderer. Not exactly the person that you think that God would call to go to Pharaoh, right? And right here it talks about many years later when Moses had grown up, he went out in to visit his own people, the Hebrews, and he saw how hard they were forced to work. During his visit, he saw an Egyptian beating one of his fellow Hebrews. After looking in all directions to make sure no one was watching, so this was not exactly a spur of the moment thing. He kind of checked it and looked that there were no witnesses. Moses killed the Egyptian and hid the body in the sand. So Moses was a shepherd. Moses was a murderer. Moses was also someone who felt about himself that he could not speak well. This is not the person that logically I would have chosen to lead this nation into the promised land. This is not who I would have chosen. I'm going to get to a little bit about why I think this happens at the end, but I want to see if any of you can kind of come up with an idea for yourself of why you think this happens. So the next person I'm going to talk about is David. And this is the story of how he came to be anointed to be the king. I'm going to start right here. It's 1 Samuel chapter 16. I'm going to start in verse 6. When they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab, and if I mispronounce names, I do apologize. That is definitely not 
uh, purposeful at all and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. I want to also point out to you, this is the oldest, right? Because in this time period, the oldest was set to kind of inherit everything, had the most honor of them all. Being the oldest firstborn son was a very, very big deal. And so in this culture, this would have been who was chosen, right? But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. So the very person that we all logically would have chosen to be the next king, the Lord has rejected him. The Lord does not, doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. This is a very important piece of information that I want you guys to all kind of hold on to is that we are not judged by our outward appearance. We are judged by the very depths of our hearts. This goes on to have all of the other sons walk in front of Samuel, seeing who else could be anointed as king, right? Next, Jesse summoned his other few sons. Samuel said, neither of these is the one the Lord has chosen. In the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Then Samuel asked, are these all the sons you have? So I just want to stop here for just a second because this does go on, David is presented. But I want you to realize that David's own father walked all seven of his sons in front of Samuel and David is not even at the house. He's not even at the house. He believes that one of those seven will be chosen and does not summon David. It is not always the logical choice that we think should be made to what God chooses for us. So then Samuel asks, are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's out in the field watching the sheep and goats. So not only is David the youngest son, he's also watching the sheep and the goats. Not exactly where you think you're going to go out and pick the next king. So I want to use a third example, and this one is more of a group because I feel like we hold the disciples in such a high regard. I want you to kind of see the origin of where these people actually came from. So the first disciples, this is how they were, they were chosen, right? One day Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee. He sees two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. So then down here, James and John are also chosen, and they are fishermen. Jesus tells them, as he has chosen them, come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. So these, these guys have been fishermen their entire life, and now they're going to end up going on a journey to become the disciples of Jesus Christ and pass on his message for generations and generations. 
this is not who is typically chosen, right? Matthew is a tax collector. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I don't know that I'm gonna go, if I was looking for a group of people to follow me, I am not gonna go look in the IRS. That is just my personal um, opinion. Tax time is not necessarily my favorite. And yet here we are, Matthew is chosen even though he is a tax collector. And lastly, we have Judas. But Judas, the disciple who would soon betray him, said that perfume was worth a year's wages. This is after Mary has anointed Jesus before he has betrayed Judas, right? It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Not that he cared for the poor, he was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. So I wanna just talk for just a second about the fact that Jesus knew what Judas was going to go on to do. And he chose him anyway. He knew. But had Judas not been chosen, his betrayal of Jesus fulfilled a purpose that was needed because that betrayal caused the salvation that each and every one of us has available to us. So when it comes more to all of these others that I have talked about, like David, like Moses, like the other disciples, they all had moments of wondering whether or not they were worthy to be doing the, the task that they had been assigned. And the reason I think that God goes and chooses people that we as human beings would not necessarily go out and choose. I would not go look for a king in a field with sheep and goats. I would not look to a murderer and a shepherd to lead a nation out of slavery and into the promised land. But I truly believe that the reason that God chooses each and every one of us for a purpose that we are fearful of, that we are not confident in, that we are not even sure we are worthy or have the skill sets necessary to accomplish is because his glory will shine through them. If God called us to a purpose that we were incredibly comfortable with, we would never give the glory back to him. We would never give the credit back to him. We would never praise him for everything that he has done in us and through us because we would think that it's something that we went ahead and did for ourselves. When we are called to something we are fearful of, that we are not comfortable in, God is breaking us out of the cage that our comfort has around us. He's using us for a greater purpose that will bring him glory, that will bring people into his kingdom. But we have to have the trust. We have to know that God is good and he has an amazing plan for each and every one of our lives that works together to bring the betterment for his people. We have to trust that. We have to have faith in that. And we have to be very faithful and obedient 
to the calling that God has placed on our lives. So I hope that brought value to each and every one of you. I'm going to continue to do these types of messages as they come to my heart as time goes on. If there's any topics that you would love for me to talk about, please let me know in the comments below. I hope each and every one of you has an amazing, blessed day, and I will talk to you all very soon. Have a good one, everybody.